Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Tamara Thomas, editor in chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites. And I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Tamara Thomas and welcome to Urban Health Weekly where we talk about medical news and health topics that matter to you. So I'm here with Jackie and Lou. How are you guys? Good, how are you guys doing? I'm okay. I'm doing good also, ready to roll. All right. How eating standing up impacts your digestion. Most everyone eats while standing upright from time to time. When you're crunched for time, need to nourish on the go, or after returning home from an exhausting day and finally get to open that glorious container of leftover pad thai you've been looking forward to since 9 a.m. But have you ever wondered how standing while eating impacts your digestion? And is it always preferable to eat while sitting? To better understand how standing up versus sitting down affects digestion, we consulted Peyton Baruchim, MD, MA, FACG, AGAF, a double board certified gastroenterologist at the Gastroenterology Institute of Southern California. According to Baruchim, several relatively minor changes in digestion, as well as eating patterns, tend to occur when you chow down on your feet. First, from a physiological standpoint, standing while eating can cause blood to pool in your legs simply due to gravity, he says. This can cause some decreased blood flow to your gut where it is needed for digestion. As a result, your digestion won't be quite as smooth and you may experience some gas and indigestion. Berakim adds that similar effects apply to moving your body directly after eating, which can promote faster digestion and lead to inadequate nutrient absorption. Eating standing may also involve noshing more rapidly which come with some additional side effects. As Dr. Birokim shares, the faster you eat, the more likely you are to swallow air, which can result in some extra gas in your stomach. Eating quickly and chewing less thoroughly can also result in abdominal cramping or discomfort as your stomach will require more time to break down and digest food, he says. If you struggle with these digestive issues and can't find relief through dietary modifications alone, Dr. Birokim recommends taking a seat instead of standing while eating and seeing if your symptoms abate. Man, well, I'm a big believer in rest and digest. But so no hot dog stand for you? <laughs> no, no, the, the no hot dog stand. For my, you know what my problem is though? My problem is, is I eat at my desk, which is probably just as bad. So like- I'm not eating in front of the TV. Is that bad too? <laughs> well, they say that it's, it's bad because it makes you eat more. Ah, because you're yeah. mindlessly eating. Because you're mindlessly eating, exactly. And so you're consuming more calories than you would if you were just mindfully eating or reading a book or having a conversation or something like that. Mm. All right. So when you're eating at your desk, you're, you're not taking your break 
right so you're eating so it's it's almost as bad as eating standing because you're shoveling the food because you're absently you know you're looking at what's on the computer in front of you uh instead of in your and i'm typing <laughs> as i'm eating so i'm not really focused you're supposed to mindfully eat you're supposed to like sit down look at your food have a conversation with it look at it introduce yourself hey food i'm tamara and eat it <laughs> and then enjoy it enjoy all the flavors i try to teach that to my little one because she always wants to put on the computer while she's um Oh boy, we have that issue at our house. We oh. have a long, yeah, we shovel. Like it's, we shovel the food. Yeah. <laughs> we have to slow down and chew and fork down between bites. That one's a hard habit to get, I think. Do you do the fork down between bites? Um, You know, I never paid attention to that. I don't think I put my fork down. I think I just hold my fork in my hand, but I don't actually put it down. Yeah, they had that technique. I remember years ago. I'm a slow ago. chewer. Oh, yeah. See, we we chew fast. That's very bad. Slowing down. I got to slow down and chew normal speed. Slow chewing is the way to be. What about you, Lou? Well, first of all, let me go in reverse order. 70% of the food I eat does not require a fork or a spoon. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> oh, so the hot dog stand. Like, the hot dog uh, stand. Burritos. You know, burritos. <laughs> so, so, so you could you uh, eat while running. Yeah, so so it doesn't really, you know, the, the utensil thing doesn't really uh, apply to me. Now, oh, going again backward in the conversation, I don't even remember the last time I had a meal that I was a not talking to somebody uh, directly across from me, b not watching TV, or c not on my computer. If one of those things are not present, I don't remember a meal. I just don't. Wow, what a you all three you're saying. Guy you are. Not at the same time. No, no, I mean, you know, any, you two are like yeah, one, of, one mean, of the three. You know, maybe while traveling somewhere in some foreign So country. you've never like eaten and read a book. You never like read a book while you eat. Oh, that used to be my favorite thing. That's still one of my favorite things to do. Maybe the paper if I'm somewhere, maybe. Everything is so digital now. That's the okay. problem with all this that's, digital that's stuff. That's the thing. I, I don't even remember the last time I read, you know, a New York sports paper or something, you know, because it would be something light. It wouldn't be anything. So like, you would read like you would read it on an app now. Right. You'd be on the computer and I'd be reading on an app. That I do all the time. Right. I'll be eating and I'll be, but I'll be on the computer, you know, re reading. Well, when I say on the computer, I mean like I'm working while I'm eating. So I got the plate balancing on one hand or sometimes on the keyboard and I'm, you know, I'm typing, I put it down in between bites and then I'm like typing, doing work. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. It's now, <laughs> now to get to the subject at hand. But I am doing yeah. better. I'm, I'm, I'm if, resting and digesting. We're but you're sitting. About, yeah. Even yes. While standing or walking, the only two things that come to mind. I know for a fact that you're guilty of that. I've seen you do it. You know, I, I, I guess I do it, but you, you know, it's sort of like, it's a transitionary phase where I'm going like from one chair to another chair, <laughs> from a chair to the couch, or from a buffet line to the table, and I, so, so again, you know, my, my, uh, my staff here, my, my team 
is uh is attacking me today by god no, <laughs> no never yeah, i would yeah. never attack you that's <laughs> it. but you know aside from the fact that it, that might be like i i just throw something in my mouth while i'm going from here to there but a full thing would be a hot dog or a pizza which i've done um you, you know as, as a meeting walking around the city or, or something uh, I very seldom do it, but I'm a big believer in after I eat, go for a walk. I always felt that that would help my digestion. I guess it doesn't. Oh, that was a thing we did growing up. There was something called promenade digestive, or you would take up, you would take a walk after a digestive walk after. Yeah. Your yeah. 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 Usually after a cup of coffee and after it's all said and done, you know. It, you know, you just get up and walk a few blocks and go somewhere and. You know, in Japan, they have standing restaurants where you just stand at the, a table. And, you know what, though? In Japan, they have a... Uh, um, but don't they also have very high rates of, like, stomach cancer? Oh, yeah. boy. What I do know is they have a tradition of not doing two things at once. Like, mm -hmm. walking while eating is a no-no. Right. While, you're, while you're eating, if you're standing, you're just standing and eating. You're not talking and eating. You're not reading and eating. You're supposed to do one thing at a time. That's like a very, oh. so that's, that's thoughtful. I've frequently uh, spoken to my little guy about not eating while walking. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. How does that work? I don't know. I go do one thing at a time like they do in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, I haven't done the, the walking with eating unless, you know, I'm in the middle of like, I put a bite, I'm sitting down, I put a bite in my mouth and then the next thing, mommy. Ah. And then I'm like, Bong! you know, that <laughs> but other than that, I don't like do it, um, yeah. intentionally do it. Yeah. Regardless of what the study says, I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to change my habit of, you know, after, after I eat, you know, maybe five to 10 minutes after I eat. Um, so you don't think there's wisdom in sitting down to eat and then rest and digest? You know, I, I think some of it I'm trying to make like a more biology, conscious effort look, to get away from yeah, my computer. You know, maybe it comes from our animal days, but you know, we were pack animals. And, and we sat and, around the fire. We sat around the fire and ate. And, yeah. And, and, you know, I guess the apes, they, they kind of sit around and, and eat the food and, and all that. And, 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 you know, if you go back, you, you know, we're... we're where we come from and our ancestors come from having, you know, being a pack type group. Yeah, you know, uh, eating is a communal time and eating you say it. You know, it's not like you grab the food and you run while you're eating it because somebody else is coming to do it. We're, we're pretty much at the top of the food chain. Right, if you're walking while you're eating, the blood flow is going to your muscles, it's not going to your digestive system. Right. And, and that's why they say that you're supposed to wait a half hour after you eat before you do any activity. Oh, so that like- That's why you get cramped. Okay, so you wait and then yeah. you go for a digestive. Right, you rest and digest okay. and then you go for a walk and okay. then your body turns that food into fuel. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next up, dairy products linked to increased risk of cancer. Ah. Yeah. So this was actually, this was actually uh, a, a study done in China. Okay. In China, there's very little consumption of cheese and butter and the consumption of milk and yogurt is also far lower than Western populations. 
In addition, most Chinese adults cannot properly metabolize dairy products due to lack of lactase, a key enzyme for breaking down the milk sugar lactose. To establish whether dairy products affect the risk of cancer differently in Chinese people, researchers from Oxford Popular Health, Peking University, and the Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences, Beijing, <clears throat> have published the results of a new large-scale study in BMC medicine. This collected data from over 510,000 participants in the China Kaduri Biobank study. The participants came from 10 geographically diverse regions across China and joined the study between 2004 and 2008 and had no previous history of cancer. Participants were followed up for an average of around 11 years and the researchers used data from national cancer and death registries as well as health insurance records to identify new cancer diagnoses. The data analysis took into account a range of other factors that can affect cancer risk, including age, sex, region, family history of cancer, socioeconomic status, and lifestyle factors. The study found overall around a fifth or 20% of the participants consumed dairy products regularly, mostly milk, 11% consumed dairy products mostly monthly, and 69% were non-consumers. The average consumption was 38 grams per day overall in the whole study population and 81 grams per day among regular dairy consumers. This is compared to the average consumption of around 300 grams per day in the UK biobank. Wow, what a, what a significant difference, 81 grams versus 300 grams. During the study period, 29,277 new cancer cases were recorded with the highest rate being for lung cancer followed by female breast, stomach, colorectal, and liver cancer. People who consumed dairy products regularly had significantly greater risks of developing liver and breast cancer. For each 50 grams per day of intake, the risk increased by 12% and 17% respectively. Regular dairy consumption was associated with an increased risk of lymphoma. Ooh. This was not statistically significant. And there was no association between dairy intake and colorectal cancer, prostate cancer, or any other type of cancer investigated. Both liver and breast cancer are among the most common types of cancer in China, accounting for around 393,000 and 368,000 new cancer cases each year, respectively. While these study results do not prove causation, there are plausible biological mechanisms that may explain these associations, according to researchers. Greater dairy consumption, for instance, may increase levels of insulin-like growth factor, or IGF-1, which promotes cell proliferation and has been associated with higher risks of several types of cancers. Potentially female sex hormones present in cow's milk, such as estrogen and progesterone, because these cows are constantly bred and milk production is because they're constantly being milked. Um, so they're constantly producing milk even after they've had offspring, may have a role in the increased risk of breast cancer, while saturated and trans fatty acids from dairy products may increase the risk of liver cancer. For the majority of Chinese people who do not produce enough lactase, dairy products may also be broken down into products that affect cancer risk. My goodness. Well, wait a minute. So if, if a majority of the population- um, 16%. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So they have a a, a lactase issue. Um, yeah. So then, are they? How are they getting the dairy? Then they're getting it through what cheese? Because a lot they said milk, but a lot of people don't drink milk. Well, maybe milkshakes, milk products. I don't know if they're just cereal. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can get dairy cheese. But probably, probably just drinking milk, probably, you know, probably just drinking, you know, that they have, they have the campaign here, you know, milk does a body good and they're very Eurocentric. Yeah. Do you think that the reason why Europeans uh, have been consuming so much, like Northwest Europeans, especially, which is my ancestry, it's um, like, I don't have a lactose problem at all. Like I could drink a gal, I mean, I can't drink a gallon of milk for reasons that have nothing to do with I don't have a lactose problem. So I could drink a gallon of milk right. and not, it wouldn't bother me at all. I mean, it might bother me later, but, right. um, uh, and it looks like, it looks like, um, other countries. Most of the world cannot drink milk. It is yeah. like almost 70% of the world is lactose intolerant to some degree. Yeah. But in, in, in Europe, uh, as Jackie said, in those areas, yeah. milk is such a staple of your diet. Right. They seem to have less lack, like they happen to be maybe genetically less prone to like right, right. intolerance. Right. So maybe they therefore consume more, like they can, they're not uncomfortable, like consuming it. So maybe that's what's given. Hmm. But also I think more people consume goat milk. Remember we talked about goat milk. Oh yeah. But does that produce, does that produce some, cause that's different, right? It doesn't have the same kind of like lactose. It well, it's not treated the same because nobody is injecting IGF into goats to make more goat meat. Goat meat is like a very kind of ethnic, very local thing that, <laughs> that you know, Caribbean people and- Oh my gosh, know, I love goat meat. And, and Asian people tend yeah. to- and, and, you know, I think, you know, African peoples and so forth. It's just that it, ethnic peoples around the world tend to use goat and goat, um, goat milk and goat milk and goat, goat milk and goat meat. So it's not something that you're going to find in the Europe, Europe, in the Northern European countries where they have cows. So are you, uh, is there some protective quality to having like goat's milk, I find like that to be sort of less inflammatory for me. Well, it is because the, I think I was explaining the last time that the, the, the protein molecules for goat milk are, are much smaller 
Ah. And so they're easier to digest. So you don't, when you, when people are lactose intolerant, it's, it's cow lactose intolerant. Okay. It's not goat lactose intolerant. Although there are people who any sort of, of dairy just doesn't work for them. Mm -hmm. um, and those people should avoid dairy at all costs, all dairy. But in general, people who, ha who have goat, um, goat dairy don't experience the same issues as people who have cow dairy. Well, uh, you know, when we, when we look at this study, I, I think that, you know, they, there's two parts to it. Number one, what I would say is that the meat that we eat and the uh, dairy products that we consume are not the same ones. And when I say we, we here in the United States mm -hmm. are not the same ones that are being consumed in China and are not the same ones that are being consumed in Europe. How so? Well, some reasons. Number one, the pasteurization process is a little different. Oh, oh yeah, that's yes. very different. The milk tastes really different in Europe than it does over here. Number two, mm -hmm. I'll take your word when you look at China, you know, you're, you're feeding 1.4 billion people. Mm -hmm. And the additives that are given to the animals are a lot different from, you know, free range cows that we eat here. And, and even though our cows do have hormones, it's nothing compared to what they do over there. They, are you saying they do more hormones over there? In China, yeah. In, in Asia, absolutely. That makes um, sense. You, you know, you, you, that tracks. You've got some beefier, and, and it's just because of population density and their needs and how much grazing lands they have. You know, when you're, when you're looking at beef, uh, you, you know, you, you think of, you know, what does everybody think is the best beef? Well, it's Kobe. the Argentine. Well, it's the Argentinian. Well, Not Kobe. The Kobe. Oh, yeah, yeah. All Kobe, that giant yeah, grassland. Recipe type done, you know, in, okay. in a special way, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. But, you know, when we're looking at mass quantity good beef, it's usually Argentinian or Brazilian beef. And those are things that, you know, graze in the pampas, they run around. Our, our you know, our beef kind of runs around in the plains. And they have no, a lot it of doesn't. They're all locked in stalls with their babies stolen from them. Don't get me well, started no, on the beef. No, no, no. There's the a lot. The cows are they cheating got, Believe me, they, they, it's worse over there. They, they, it's probably they, worse they, over they, there. That's the true. Space and all that, and, and wide open. You know, our our beef comes from Kansas. It comes mostly from Texas and all that. And for the most part, those cows have places to run around and and. <laughs> and I've okay. seen them. I've seen it. You've and, seen commercials. Uh, you haven't seen no, the I've actual. Yeah. No, you haven't seen the actual. All right, go ahead. Well, anyway, we we have. A <laughs> so you're bit saying more space. that this country has improved its husbandry since Upton Sinclair's The Jungle? Uh, look, all I'm saying is that if you look at that, uh, 350 million people, of which more than half of live near some sort of coast. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole wide open space in the middle, and that's still used for farmland, grazing, and all that. It's used for corn as and wheat. Unhealthy, as unhealthy as we are, as unhealthy as we are, there are people that are a lot worse. That's all I'm saying. And there's additives added in other places that we don't add. So if we're going to do a scientific study and say that if you do A, you get B, I yeah, I don't know how strong this is. You're right. I think you got to look at additives. I think you got to look at hormone levels. I think you got to look at a whole lot of things. The other thing I was thinking about, you know, they said that the highest rate 
uh, of cancers, lung cancer followed by breast cancer. And then I couldn't help but wonder, don't a lot of, I mean, I don't want to be stereotyping here, but don't a lot of Chinese people smoke? Oh, yeah. Smoking yeah, is a smoking big... Is... Smoking is still like a big expense over there, I guess, huh? Is that how it is? Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, I'm not 100%. I haven't tracked it, but I well, believe smoking, that smoking there's, there's is... Other, there are other factors, so... Mm-hmm. You know, the again, air quality is piss poor there. there. There's so many factors that that to say that it's, that it's, it's the dairy, yeah, dairy. I, I I would just say that okay, okay, big pharma. The, yeah, the study said yes, but <laughs> well, now not big pharma here, big dairy. Okay, you know, um, same difference. Of the, of the, milk, the milk crew, you know, <laughs> you know, got milk. Yeah, you know. But, okay. But, and oh, then the other thing I was thinking about with the breast cancer. Now, don't they have, did they get rid of the population control? Um, you know, with the one child rule? I think they finally got rid yeah, of Yeah, they've that. gotten rid of that, yes. How long ago did they get rid of that? Decade, yeah, at least 10 years. Okay, because this study was done, what year did they say? Between 2004 and 2008. So when all those little boys grew up and they had no one to marry, that's when they finally got rid of it. But so this goes, this is a little before that. And I would think that restricting women to having one child would be sort of detrimental because all that, that means you're having many more periods than a woman who say has like four or five children or three, four children. If you've only got one child. What, is that a thing? Uh, of that course a that's a thing yes the, the amount of estrogen like if you think about breast cancer and stuff like that it's right. because the estrogen is not being we're not breastfeeding lots of children like our ancestors right. were i mean back in in your your mother's or your grandmother's day they had lots of children oh they because also you so when you're pregnant it's, it's not getting depressed okay it's not flooding your organs right and so we, when you're from a culture that you're, you're only having like maybe one child, you're having lots more periods than your ancestors were having. That's a lot of estrogen washing over your breast tissue, washing over your uterus. It's a lot. I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I'm like into this. I mean, there's some other things that go on with like having kids. I'm not so sure I'm into that argument. I mean, it's, well, it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not something to be into. It's scientific fact. And, uh, but you know, you're, you're free to, to disagree with me. I'm just saying that, that a lot of the reason, I mean, and there's also environmental factors too, but our ancestors had a lot more children. Than That's for sure. Yeah. We did, and they didn't have the rates of breast cancer that we have. Like if everything was equal, we'd still have higher breast cancer rates than they did because we have much less children. Uh, much less pregnancies, much less breastfeeding than they had. So that's why you have all this, you hear this talk about estrogen dominance and all this other stuff. It's because you have a lot of this estrogen just washing over your, your, um, your breast and washing over your uterus and stuff. And then they want to take your uterus out because they want to tamp down the extra estrogen. Right. You see how that works? Yeah, so, but I mean, is it because we're not having as many kids? Is that really why? I mean, not your uterus, your, that's correct. Not your, your ovaries. They want to take your ovaries because they want right. to cut the amount of correct. 
They want they a copy amount of estrogen. And the reason right. we have so much estrogen is because we're not having, and I'm not saying this to say that people should feel bad for having one child. Should I only have one child? But I'm just, I'm just stating scientific fact. Scientific I don't know. Fact. Is that scientific fact though? I mean, look at all it the- It is evidence. scientific fact. But Just because these... they don't talk about it doesn't mean it's not true. You but talk is about it. Is it because we're not having as many kids? I mean, look at all the endocrine disruptors and all the well, other stuff going on. Well, I said, I but I said, if everything was equal, obviously it's not. There are a lot of, look, we're drinking water from plastic bottles. Everything is packaged in plastic. That's highly estrogenic. But right. even if you took those things away, right? You took away all those. those You're saying the one common denominator is that we are having fewer kids. Though, right. If all okay. things were equal between us and our forebears, or not our forebears, our ancestors, they had less estrogen flooding their body on a consistent basis, flooding their sex organs because they had more children. All right. Obviously, obviously, there's other factors like you were talking about, the endocrine disruptors, you got deodorant. The environment is so different. Yeah. Our food is food different. Is Everything. Food packaging is all of that is 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 in, in play. And that's why and 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 the way food is produced and stuff like that. So we're, that's why we're even seeing it even younger. But what I'm saying is over a lifetime, if you compare uh, you know, woman a hundred years ago, that was 45. And a woman today, 45. Oh, yeah. We would we'd all have like 10 and 12 children. Absolutely. No, I'm saying if we didn't have 10 and 12 children. Right. Okay. If I'm talking about if we didn't have the endocrine disruptors. Like they didn't have the if endocrine the environments disruptors. were identical and it was simply a case of how many kids you have. Right. We'd still have more estrogen than they right. did. Okay. That's what I'm saying. But obviously you have to add in these other factors. Lou, you're very quiet. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I, we're counting periods here. I don't, <laughs> don't really know what to add. No, but. ancient women had an average of like, I think, 100 periods in their lifetime. The average woman okay. has about 500 periods. Well, maybe because they dropped dead earlier, so they didn't have enough time. To well, because they also had more children. Yeah, they just had more children. Power. Yeah, well, And also communal living made it easier. Look, I'm sure there's also the fact that we're having our periods much earlier than ever. Like I didn't. Well, that's, but that's way late. Of, that's but that's endocrine right. disruption. Right. So, okay. I'm saying if you take out endocrine disruption, the sheer lack of volume of children. The sheer lack enough. of volume, and I, I'm again, I'm not promoting women have more children because another thing that was different back then, I realize I'm going slightly on the tangent here, but another thing that was different um, back then was people lived in groups more. So you had help. If you had five children, you had women that maybe had also had five children, but between the two of you or the three of you or the four of you living together, the group raised the children. Right, right. There was, so, you had lots of hands on deck to help. Right, exactly. You had the village to raise the children and we don't have that anymore. No, we don't. So, so there's no incentive for women now. We have careers, we have all there's no incentive for women to have that many children anymore. So I'm not saying that we should have more children. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just talking strictly about the estrogen levels. That's all I'm saying. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to take a small break. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time. Thank you.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.